and welcome to 7-Minute Explainers, your audio guide to everything you need to know about compelling and complex topics. I'm Lauren Hansen, an editor at The Week, and today I'd like to get to the bottom of the I word. Impeachment. 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 In the few short months since Donald Trump's inauguration, Democrats have had a pretty light trigger finger on the call for his impeachment. But since FBI Director James Comey's abrupt firing on May 9th and the Department of Justice's appointment of a special counsel on May 17th, impeachment chatter has grown. And it's not just one-sided. So far, at least 26 Democrats and two Republicans have dropped the I-word. And while the early impeachment accusations are the same ones that cornered Clinton and Nixon... Three words obstruction of justice. Trump does have a congressional advantage those presidents didn't. Republicans control Congress. For Republicans to turn against their own president and provide the votes to impeach him, well, Trump's approval ratings would have to tank and make him a liability. And even if special counsel Robert Mueller does find an impeachable offense, the process is long, complicated, and heavily influenced by partisan considerations. If it happens, it's not happening anytime soon. Impeachment is a holdover from the Brits. The process dates back to 14th century England, where it was used to punish lords and royal advisors who were beyond the reach of the courts. The framers of the U.S. Constitution were mindful of the possibility of tyranny, and so they borrowed this English concept for our founding document. It offered a peaceful way of removing any civil officer who had gone rogue, from the president and Supreme Court justices to cabinet secretaries. There was vigorous debate over whether to give the power to impeach to the Supreme Court, but in the end, the Constitution split the power within Congress. The House of Representatives has the sole power of impeachment, and the Senate has the sole power to try all impeachments. So basically, the House charges the official, and the Senate decides whether to confirm or remove him. Since 1797, the House has impeached 16 federal officials, including a senator, a Supreme Court justice, 11 federal judges, and most notably, two sitting presidents. Andrew Johnson was targeted in 1868 because of a power struggle over policy in post-Civil War South. And Bill Clinton was impeached by the House in 1998 over his affair with White House intern Monica Lewinsky. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. Out of those 16 House impeachment accusations, the Senate convicted and removed seven officials, all of whom were federal judges. Both Johnson and Clinton were acquitted. According to the Constitution, impeachable offenses include treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors, which is terribly vague. <laughs> but what that boils down to, as Gerald Ford once quipped, is basically whatever a majority of the House considers to be an impeachable offense is an impeachable offense at any given moment in history. Any member of the House can introduce a resolution to begin impeachment proceedings. Actually, a committee can do this, as well as a petition or a special prosecutor. If a simple majority approves one or more articles of impeachment, the president has officially been impeached. For Clinton, the House charges were perjury. The yeas are 228, the nays are 206. 
Article 1 is adopted. And obstruction of justice. The yeas are 221. The nays are 212. Article 3 is adopted. And that's because Clinton lied under oath in a grand jury testimony and in a deposition. My recollection is that I did not have sexual relations with Ms. Lewinsky, and I'm staying on my former statement about that. Once the House votes by a simple majority, it is then up to the Senate. The House designates certain representatives, that Mr. Hyde, Mr. Sensenbrenner, Mr. McCollum, known as managers, are appointed managers to conduct the impeachment trial against William Jefferson Clinton, to serve as prosecutors and argue the case for conviction. The president selects a defense team. The senators serve as the jury, and it's presided over by the chief justice of the Supreme Court. The proceedings may sound like a trial and may look like a trial, but impeachment is a creature unto itself, and it's unlike your average court case. And the bar for conviction is really whatever each senator wants it to be. If more than two-thirds of senators find him guilty, the president is removed from office and the vice president takes place. This has never happened yet. Good evening. I want to talk to you tonight from my heart. Richard Nixon was the closest the country came to impeachment. In recent months, members of my administration and officials of the Committee for the Re-election of the President, including some of my closest friends and most trusted aides, have been charged with involvement in what has come to be known as the Watergate affair. The evidence against him was so damning that he was almost certain to have been impeached and convicted. And it would have come to that had the smoking gun tapes not emerged in July 1974. After that, Republican leaders told Nixon he'd lost most of his support in the House and Senate. Nixon forfeited the indignity of impeachment and resigned in a speech to the public on August 8, 1974. I have never been a quitter. To leave office before my term is completed is abhorrent to every instinct in my body. But as president, I must put the interests of America first. And that does it for this episode of 7-Minute Explainers. If you've enjoyed this episode, check out The Week magazine and get all you need to know about everything that matters on all topics and from all perspectives. And hey, we'll get you started with four totally risk-free issues. To sign up, visit theweek.com slash for free. I'm Lauren Hansen, and thanks so much for listening.